John and I were both there just kind of on pins and needles, like, you know, okay, come on, let's succeed. And, you know, the, they started going through and they weren't cracking. And, like, we were just, like, so thrilled over these little, like, toothbrushes that had become our, like, random little children. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Alda where we connect you with some of your favorite sustainable brands. Be sure to check us out at alda.life. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Alda Lifestyle. Oh, I almost forgot something. Protect your wild. to the Protect Your Wild podcast. I'm your host, Avinash, and I'm here with... Colin Campbell. And our special guest, Heather McDougall from Bogo Brush. Thank you. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, Heather. Uh, the quick first note, I, I just wanted to say again, uh, Heather's been so positive and encouraging to us, and Bogo Brush is one of the first brands that I, I guess at least saw the vision a little bit, and... Uh, was really supportive. So thank you, Heather, for that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, so to, to kick it off, kind of just, I guess, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and where your passion and joy in the environment kind of originated. Yeah, I mean, passion, like, yeah, such a perfect word because I think to describe myself now, right? Just passionate about sustainability. Um, so environmentalism, sustainability, and how that interacts and relates to communities. And, you know, Bogle Brush is kind of one expression of how I'm working towards those passions and trying to create more balance between communities and our environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I mean, I grew up in a small town in North Dakota, and that meant spending a lot of time outside. So I think just being connected to, you know, our, our landscape and nature has always been part of my existence. Right. Really understanding what sustainability is happened more when I was in law school and kind of just trying to figure out what I was interested in. Yeah. I went to law school because I cared about social change and was really navigating navigating my way through that. And it was through some coursework in school that I really, um, yeah, kind of started to find my groove. Yeah, I relate to that so much. And I, I grew up in Gainesville, Florida, running barefoot in the creeks, basically. I guess you guys had a lot of fields in, in uh, the Dakotas. But, yeah, and, and you don't really realize until you're older kind of what that meant to you. You know, it, it starts developing it the more you learn. Yeah, exactly. Especially, I mean, I don't know you guys, but like, you know, for me, I, uh, through school, right, kept kind of going to bigger and bigger cities. And I mean, fortunately, my parents, uh, you know, took John and me around to as many different cities and places around the country and things like that, that they could, so we could see the way a lot of different people live. But, yeah. um, you know, especially like going to school, like I went to school in uh, St. Paul or, you know, Twin Cities in Minnesota and John. So John is my brother mm -hmm. and we started Bogo Rush together. Is he, John is he your twin, by the way? 
He's no, not. Okay. We're two, years, <laughs> two years apart, but we get that question a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, looking at the pictures, I was like, you guys look so similar, but uh, yeah. It's well, funny. Um, but you know, so John came to school in Detroit, and I think just tying it into that, having grown up in some place where, I mean, yeah, we grew up in a town, but yeah, like nature is more around than right. city, and so to your point of like, you don't really realize that until later. It's kind of that. Oh, you don't realize what what you had until it's not around you all the time. <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah. And that uh, I, when I moved, because I'm I'm out in Colorado now, I had that the same thing in mind where I I was originally thinking I'm I'm gonna go to Denver, you know, be in a city. I'm close enough, I guess, to nature. And then when I visited, I realized I was like, it's not enough. I need to be right in it, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, so kind of what was your initial intent in going into law school, um, what what kind of originally drew you there? Uh, like, I mean, I know social change is kind of a really broad, right. a broad topic. But in in my undergrad, you know, I was really interested in, gosh, a whole variety of things. I mean, even in from like late school. So I'm also a musician. And oh, okay one like experience I had in high school is I ended up um for my birthday my parents bought me a dinner sitting next to like this kind of regionally famous pianist and I was talking with her and yeah about music and all this and she was like maybe you should go to law school and then you learn like intellectual property law and you start copywriting Uh, people's music okay I've like written some music and things too so that maybe was kind of the first like oh Law school doesn't have to just be for right. you know, like going to court. Right. Or How you think of lawyers, of, basically, like okay. Yeah. So like, oh, so you can kind of do some creative things. So that was that, and then through undergrad, I think just being interested in public policy, I, I studied. Um, yeah, I did some public policy work. Went to Europe and learned a bunch about some different countries' ways of of interacting with. Uh, you know, kind of like hot topic public policy issues. Mm-hmm. And and then um, also started learning even more about like sexual assault and victims of sexual crimes and, and just kind of exploring and learning a lot of these like heavy topics and was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to law school to kind of figure out how to um, influence that. Right. Uh, not it's like really a tool. Knowing exactly which avenue that that would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a tool. That's, that's the similar thing I had with business basically where I, I saw it, you know, not, I'm not, I didn't want to be a finance major. I didn't want to go work on Wall Street or something like that, but it's like a tool and a, a knowledge base that you can pull from for a variety of things. Exactly. Yeah. So and I think like too, for me, like law school was interesting because I often describe it as, um, it's like a graduate degree in liberal arts at least the way that like I approached it. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite quickly learned that I like, did not fit in from most people who were in law school and just kind of the, the pattern that, that that takes you down if you're going to work in, in a more traditional firm setting. And so for me, yeah, it was really a, a lot of that exploration and kind of, I don't know, this is maybe real nerdy, but kind of the art of... You know, how do you how do you be artistic with something that is seemingly very like textbook and boring? right, right? Yeah, it's such an interesting take on it. It it always blows me away now 
especially in in universities you get forced down certain tracks so i always appreciate it and when you're in a track too the pressure that's on you there to be like you said one of the like kind of to fall in line with all the other ducks in the row you know um it's bizarre that universities do that but i'm definitely glad that (laughs) you took the other other approach on it and where it's led you yeah (laughs) so 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 it's been a journey on its own but it's uh yeah so far so good (laughs) yeah so from law school what was the next step after that um right after law school i well i got married um and that's like relevant in the fact that we were planning to move to oregon we both had gone to grad school in minnesota and we were going to move to oregon so i took the bar exam in oregon and got licensed there and then that was 2009 and that's when like you know the recession hit yeah and so it was interesting like maybe a little like strike of fate but my husband had a job in minnesota and I was like, well, let's not move to Oregon where there's really high unemployment right now. It was like some of the highest in the country. Like, I'll figure out what I'm going to do. You know, I didn't want to work in a law firm. And so I would like throughout school, I'd been talking with my brother, of course, John, we're really close. And John studied transportation design. So he's a car designer for kind of his his training mm-hmm. and through that time, we'd been both realizing our shared passion for sustainability. And so me not having a traditional job led us to well, first starting this kind of like group think tank idea where we talked about a lot of different things that we could do to influence sustainability. And it was from that that then kind of Bogo Rush evolved. It took a couple years for us to really land on Bogo Rush, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess, I don't know if you call it maybe sabbatical or, like, more soul-searching, but, <laughs> sure. uh, yeah. Sure. Well, what were some of the other... Teacher, so that happened. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the other That's ideas? Because I know even all this started off a little different oh, yeah. and evolved into what it is today, and it started as, like, a subscription box, and then now it turned into a, you know, online retailer. <laughs> yeah, um, so we were basically... Um, kind of brainstorming with with a group of people that came from all sorts of different walks of life. And so what John and I were trying to do is like we kind of curated this this group saying that if we get perspectives of people who are, you know, from business to art, science, health, food, um, you know, kind of all of this these perspectives together, then any decision we make is bound to be more sustainable, more balanced. And So kind of what we were trying to do is see how can we apply that to products or processes or ideas. So in terms of products, you know, we talked about a toothbrush. Um, We talked about actually household printers, which Mm. turned more into a conversation about community design (laughs) rather than actually household printers, because really how many of us actually need a printer in our house? (laughs) Um, and so that, and then at that time too, uh, maybe you guys remember this was like 2011, I think, or something 20 anyway, around then. And there was a big oil spill, a BP oil yeah. spill in the Gulf of Mexico. So we, we talked about how could a collaborative problem solving, um, 
kind of process work as opposed to combative and combative meaning using the legal system and suing the company to get them to pay damages. Like, is there another way that we could try to solve this problem that would use financial resources more sustainably? Mm. Um, those are kind of like the main, the main things we talked about. That's awesome. Yeah. That's such a, that's like a genius approach. Honestly, we were, you know, a bunch of business majors and more businessy minded people and you get in a box for sure when you're thinking a certain way it's like yeah bring in uh all sorts of fields luckily I had my my dad is like a a creative writer type and came from education so i had definitely a little bit a little bit of influence from other fields but um your dad was a dentist right so i assume that of course played a little bit of a role there yeah john and i like joke it's like Maybe this whole idea of Bogo Brush started when we were kids, you know, being around like oral care and dental industry. Um, and it's just kind of fun how it's come full circle in a lot of ways. Like really our mission is about sustainability. You know, the product is environmentally conscious, you know, mm-hmm. recyclable and biodegradable materials. And we give back to the community right. because right in a very academic sense of sustainability, it is that balance of economics, environment, yes, and absolutely. our communities. Yeah. So for us, it's like, we just wanted to do something that we could insert into the economy that would bring more of those other values in. And it just so happens that we kind of kept coming back to this idea of a better toothbrush yeah that's so yeah. great yeah i actually um so when i i still have all my all my mullet or what are they wisdom teeth sorry i have all my wisdom teeth yeah. in so what i liked when i got the brush was the head of it's like thinner kind of than uh, you know a lot of the ones you buy in the store is big like kind of rubbery stuff can't literally can't get to my wisdom teeth um really random side note but yeah i, I actually when i, I first that. got it i was like oh wow i can actually you know get to the back where my so my wisdom teeth don't rot out of my mouth you know <laughs> we're saving colin's wisdom teeth. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna hang on to these bad boys as long as i can <laughs> um so what what has it been like working with a, a sibling like i came from a, a family business and that's still what my full-time job is so i i know how it definitely comes with its own different challenges and ways of communicating i feel like than than it would be in a more traditional professional environment yeah i i love it i honestly couldn't imagine having become an entrepreneur in any other way um just, I mean, John and I, like, first of all, it's just the two of us, right? We're the only siblings. Mm-hmm. So, and we're close in age. And so we've just kind of grown up doing lots of things together. And, um, you know, we're definitely independent minded and have our own thoughts yet because we talk so much, we've really developed a passion, um, kind of about the broader issue of environmentalism and sustainability, um, you know, kind of understanding where each other's coming from. So we can't, we have that, that there. And plus you know, I respect John so much. And so I know when he's telling me something that maybe is a slightly different perspective than I have, like I want to hear him out because I trust that where he's coming from is somewhere that I, I want to hear, you know, and it will get us to a better result. So I feel like it makes me more patient and like try to, 
to communicate as best as I can because I really respect where he's coming from. And I feel like that in reverse. And plus, it's just fun because every time we're working, it's like I just get to hang out with my brother and I think he's super cool. So <laughs> That's it worked great. out. Yeah, yeah. And, and you've been, the the good thing is coming into it too, you already trust him, right? You've, you've built, kind of figured out probably as you grow up the how you work together and everything. Um, yep. So I, I could only imagine doing doing a thing like that or like starting a company with my brother. It'd be pretty interesting. Um. So what, uh, I guess in the long run, how, where do you see, you know, BOGO brush going? Do you see envision like developing other kind of products along that line, along, you know, the line of being biodegradable, giving back to the community and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, kind of the, this is not long-term, but like the very next steps, like on that path are we're, I mean, right now we're developing new, new materials. So we're launching like a new full, full new adult collection, more biodegradable. Um, but right now our collection is made from flax, you know, like flax seeds. That's what makes the biodegradable. We're looking at other materials, like including hemp, which I don't know, maybe Colorado cares about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, cliche, silly. (laughs) Um, in any case, but so different, different plants. Um, we, Later this summer, we're launching crowdfunding for a children's collection. So that'll be nice. really fun. Yeah. Um, so kind of expanding on the oral health, but then definitely beyond that. I mean, community is always part of what we're doing. We're expanding our giving. So yeah, right now it's a buy one, give one toothbrush. Um, but we're just earlier this year, we did buy for every brush you buy, we'll pick up a bag of trash. We did that for Earth Day. Nice. Um, so trying to expand what that giving is to help us connect with more people, more interests, more causes. And then the idea is that the more folks we connect with, then we start to learn um, kind of like trends that what are some other problems, right? What are other ways that we can use our skills, like our design, our storytelling, our creative thinking to impact those problems? And that's kind of where we will let new product designs come from is really from right. the communities we interact with. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I have the, the Pila case as well, which is like uses flaxseed for, uh, and is also biodegradable and everything like that. And, um, hemp though, that you mentioned is a, such an underutilized plant. It's unbelievable The you know, comparing it to cotton and, and other, you know, massive, massively kind of it's both nutrient intensive right and water intensive plant versus hemp that is a lot better for soil water use everything and yet there's still like what i guess a social stigma around it kind of and who knows what laws and other you know issues i think exactly but it yeah definitely and and i'm excited to connect with you know, hemp is just one example of, of these other plants that we're working with. I'm excited to get to know those industries even more. I mean, even now like researching collaborations we could do and finding, you know, hemp clothing companies and learning a lot more exactly about the stuff that you're talking about. And those, those things just give us opportunities to, you know, create more platforms and help share other people's stories. Right. Right. And, uh, so tell us, I guess, a little bit about um, the problem maybe that 
the social problem of oral health, right, and poverty, and um, the nonprofits that you're working with, and uh, yeah, it, that's just something I'm not very knowledgeable about, and I'm curious, kind of where, what what you've learned about it, you know? Yeah, um, right now, so Bogo Brush focuses are giving mostly within the United States, and. You know, that's really intentional because in the United States, there's more than 80 million Americans who don't have access to adequate oral care. And that can include things that are as simple as toothbrushes. And there's a lot of lot of barriers to that access partially is is there's not a good there's not good insurance systems for them. It's it's. different than the medical system, which I know has all sorts of questions and things and uh, (laughs) debates around as well. But it's, it's an industry that isn't as much talked about. So we don't quite realize it. But, you know, bit by bit, I think more knowledge is coming out that really oral health is body health, because it, you know, infected gums can lead to infection in your heart. Um, Poor teeth can obviously affect your nutrition and your nutrition affects your overall health. I mean, even such things as like confidence and self-esteem, when right, people right. don't have confidence in the way that their smile um, looks, at least to them, you know, that impacts people's abilities to feel confident in job interviews or go to school. And I mean, it really affects so many different parts of, of the way that we exist. And a lot of times, um, we think we, meaning humans, Americans, think, oh, there's problems other places, and let's go, let's go outside of our country to help solve those problems. And that really is amazing. We've done things like that too, but for us, we want to help draw those connections to community as close as possible. Yeah. And so we work with clinics in the United States that are connected to places where we have strong presence. So we, you know, we're based here in Detroit, and so we have a health clinic partner called Covenant Community Care, and they provide really high quality service to patients who are either underinsured or have no insurance. And so we donate through them to reach people in the community. And those are the kinds of clinics at at towns around the country that we partner with. Yeah, that's awesome. My uh, mentor of mine always would, would tell me basically at the heart of sustainability is human dignity, right? And I just thought that was interesting. I never even thought about it basically tying to your self-confidence and you know, your mouth and your smile is a part of your identity. And yeah, if, yeah. if you're not if you're not feeling good about that, then uh, it, it impacts a lot of your, your psyche, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's we care very strongly about the oral health implications. And then there's kind of the benefit, just exactly what you're talking about, that there's so many things that oral health touches that we can pretty much tie it to anything to do with sustainability. So in terms of, you know, other causes and other, other issues we want to discuss and get involved with, it's, it's not a too far of a stretch to make those connections. Yeah. It opens a lot of doors there. I want to ask about Which Detroit is too. It's a challenge in itself, it is. right? Because sometimes when you have too many like options, or at least for me, I'm like, oh yeah, look at all these cool ideas. Now where do I go? <laughs> right, yeah. It's like being on a, a little boat in the middle of an ocean versus on a river, right? Yeah. <laughs> on the river, at least I know I'm going downstream here, unless I want to work a lot harder. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I'm I'm actually curious about Detroit too because I I know, you know, I've never been to Detroit. I've been to a lot of other cities, um, but Detroit generally has a bad reputation, admittedly, around still. Um, but I've heard good things about its downtown area bouncing back. And um, how have you liked living there? Yeah, I'm. Detroit has been one of my favorite cities for probably well, more than five years. I just moved to Detroit last summer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I when we founded Bogle Brush, I was lived still in the Twin Cities, and John was in Detroit because he by day he designs cars for GM. Right. Uh, That's awesome. Cars by day, toothbrushes by night for him. <laughs> uh, first for now. <laughs> Hopefully the morning but, and night, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, great, I like that. Um, but because John was here. I've spent a lot of time coming in and out of the city over the last five years or more. John's been here for about 10 years. And so I've witnessed a lot of the change that's happened in certain pockets. Yeah. Uh, and in these pockets, yeah, there's a vibrancy in this city that I have not experienced anywhere else because for a long time, there, there weren't big investors. There weren't people coming into the city trying to do things on a big scale. So it was a lot of grassroots level people who were just digging their hands in buying like small building by small building doing something and it's fun to be in that environment where people really care about something and you feel like no matter what you're doing you're making um an impact and that that vibe is definitely still here um and yeah it's nice that there there are neighborhoods that we can like walk around in and feel okay (laughs) okay with um but it those pockets in they're definitely the the minority of the neighborhoods in the city. The city is, by and large, very um, very rough. But you know, on its pe- way people up, are doing, right? People are doing what they can, yeah. and it's. I'm really I'm really happy that we're connected to a community like this. Yeah, yeah, and I I bet you know part of the strength in that community comes from um, you know adversity that that city as a whole has faced. And that that's probably something that I feel like is lacking that I at least miss in like any of the other big cities I've been to. It doesn't feel that. It, it, yeah. It just doesn't feel like a community. It feels like just a ton of people in a small place. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and another interesting thing with Detroit is it kind of does feel like a small town because the population, I mean, I'm sure you read about Detroit, right? The city has shrunk in population by, I don't even know, I can't even remember the statistic, but a lot, right? Mm -hmm. People fled the city. So there's just tons of vacancies. And what they've done is they've torn down so many old buildings and homes. And, and where I live, the the house, I rent an apartment out of a house here and all around me are fields, prairie fields. Literally just a couple blocks from downtown. So it's really funny. It's like I'm back in North Dakota, yet I have conveniences of a city. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a Whole Foods down the street. So it's just, yeah, it's a, it's it's a, a funny good place. Yeah. Come, come to Detroit sometime, like check it out, see, see what this is, because I think it's, it's pretty unique. Yeah, yeah. There's like a, the most I, I learned about it was like an Anthony Bourdain episode, I think, where he, he went into <laughs> Detroit and there was some sort of, some sort of migrating restaurant or something where a chef and his team basically would like pop into different spots and like 
I don't know. I, I can't even explain it. It was just a really interesting idea that he would do like a cook in some some restaurant or something for just a day, and then his team would pop into another place and another place, and it's like, yeah, it's very fascinating. I'd never heard of that, but creative, you know. Yeah, I suppose it can work. I mean, it can work in a place like this. There are definitely even food trucks that'll just pull up to like old buildings, and <laughs> you know, I think they'll set up you know, chairs kind of inside of them and things because they're just empty buildings. That's and so crazy. Do it's a little bit of like a do what you want. That's yeah. awesome. Tell us, I guess, uh, I want to go back in time a little bit though to the the start of Bogo Brush and and just. You know, we talked about where you guys want to go, but, um, you know, me and Avinash are kind of in that phase now where we're, you know, just grinding and trying to figure figure this whole business thing out. So what what was it like for you and John when, when you first started things and, um, yeah, just everything new, new experiences and, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's, like, definitely still a grind. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so... You know, like, I think what we've, one of the biggest things we've learned is, is that like, it is always a grind. And so for us, it's about not just finding balance, like with the environment and our communities, right. But it's about being balanced as people and that, yeah, sometimes you have to put in crazy hours, but there's always work to do. So be happy and balanced, like as ourselves and you know, so for me, that means like, I mean, I love music. I love singing and, you know, I'm curious about lots of things. I just bought a ukulele to teach myself something new. Nice. Um, I'll, like just doing other things like getting outside and, you know, John's super avid snowboarder. And anyway, just making time for like those things. I know this is a little bit off of the question of no, no, no. what's the, the, the grind at the beginning, but that's, that's definitely it. Is it's like all part of it. We create the grind ourselves, right? So um, there's always work to do, and so setting our own setting our own limits when possible. Again, sometimes you just gotta like put it in, and you gotta suck it up and and get it done. For sure. Um, but yeah, I think uh, so. That yeah, the grind definitely. When we very first launched, we launched with our own pre order campaign. Uh, Kickstarter had turned us down. This was 2012. Hmm. And we were like, all right, well, we'll just do it ourselves. So built our website and did the whole PR. And we had a lot of success um, with, with that. That time we were working on bamboo toothbrushes and um, ended up, well, we had a lot of success through kind of the pilot runs. We were working with an overseas manufacturer at the time pilot rounds of a few hundred were coming back to us. Well, we had a U.S. bristling supplier. They were bristling at over 90% success. We are like, all right, we feel good. When After the pre-order campaign, you know, we ramped it up, ordered 10,000 of them, and something changed in the way the overseas manufacturers were producing them because yeah. when they got to the bristler, more than half of the heads were shattering when <laughs> they were getting bristled. Oh, wow. So, like, that was, like, one no of bueno. the first major like adversity things of like you know heart into the gut what the hell do we do right now we have all these people who've ordered products we don't have enough yeah 
passionate email. That's money to like give their <laughs> money back to them. So we go bankrupt or we figure out a solution. And you know, because for us it's always been way more than just a toothbrush. You know, it was a no-brainer to figure out a new solution. But right. that that was, I think, like the first really big, <laughs> devastating lesson in oh, this isn't going to be easy. Yeah, and the the details. I didn't even think. Or I I don't think that there's like even companies to put the bristles in the toothbrush. That's like separate. You know, it blows my mind sometimes when you just you know any house you can just look around at all the products and all the stuff and just think yeah. like, oh man, my desk. Right, this this piece of wood up top came from one place. The hardware, like the screws, came from one place, and the washers, those came from another. Yeah, it, it's like overwhelming to me sometimes if you <laughs> get it's in that a, mindset. It's, it's like the, what is it, like the kind of the naive quality of yeah. when we first start our businesses. <laughs> and you know, we're like, oh, a toothbrush will be easy. It's just a handle and bristle, like not a big deal. And compared to something like super complicated, that's probably true. But when you have no idea, like it's, it's all, you know, it starts with a, with a Google search, you kind of ask like, how did we, we get like going through those early stages? And it's like, well, what do I know how to do? What does John know how to do? Well, I know how to register companies. I know how to like write contracts. I know how to, you know, think about vision. John knows how to like design and make models. And so, all right, we got to work doing that. And then we Googled toothbrush manufacturer. (laughs) Shout out to Google for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you just start and then it's just, it's one curiosity after another. Right, just right. One question, one question, answer that one and then just keep going. And before you know it, you're in so deep, you're just going. <laughs> right, yeah, I love that though. You just keep asking questions and keep like, just start. Yeah, that, that's what it comes yeah. down to. You have an idea, there's something you want to do, just start, hit Google. We all have Google, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I know you talked about uh, an adversity, but what was the high point in your journey so far? Oh yeah, positivity is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is fun. I mean, because I was just talking about manufacturing, I think about a moment where John and I were both at the bristling factory. This was after we'd, you know, okay, <laughs> had to figure out a new material to make our product from. And that took us about a year and a half to find our new partners. But we got that done, figured out how to get a tool to mold these things out of new new materials and uh, shipped a bunch of prototype or kind of first run handles to the to our bristler. And John and I were both there just kind of on pins and needles like, you know, OK, come on let's succeed and you know that they started going through and they weren't cracking and like we were just like so thrilled over these little like toothbrushes that had become our like random little children yeah (laughs) and uh um you know that that moment just because we were talking about that was definitely um a thrill um these are like big big ones are coming to to my mind. Um, another one is we, we had an offer for an acquisition, um, at the end of 2016 and we were 
you know, we kind of told them, oh, yeah, this is this is everything that we want. They kind of said yes. So we were like, okay, well, it became clear that they weren't prepared to commit to like values of sustainability in the way yeah. that we needed our brand to be. So um, we we turned that down and, and it was a super hard decision and it felt really crappy at the time. But at the same time, like if I think about what's a really high point, like I, I remember uh, John and me like that weekend, like we were with the company, we were, we were going through final negotiations. John and I were like super torn up about what to do. And we went to see the movie La La Land. And, um, you know, it's all about like following your dreams and there's more than one path to accomplishing things. And we were both just like sobbing and I don't know, that's just like a moment that even though it was really hard, it was was just, you know, it's like this, it was like this bonding moment. And I think that even in those hard times, it's, I know it sounds maybe kind of stereotypical, but it's like, those are those big moments where you decide something, you grab something and you go for it. We could have grabbed one direction or the other and nothing would have like ruined our lives. We would have been fine. We would have survived, but we chose to turn it around and raise funds and, and continue in a different direction. And um, that's why I think that's another like a high point felt sad, but it, it was a solidifying moment for us to like own something on a deeper level than yeah we had before yeah and looking back i guess it's you realize how much or it's it's like proof of how much it means to you and how much maintaining those values and everything and not being being kind of uncompromising and and you know what you believe bogo brush is here for and that that's definitely going to play to your your benefit in the long run as you guys continue to grow too that's that's awesome story if it was just a toothbrush then you know that's one thing you know maybe that would have been the right choice but for us it's you know our goals are to learn a lot about being a sustainable company and how are we going to do that if we didn't have one it's like well (laughs) we gotta like we gotta keep we gotta keep going going down this but all sorts of little little like highs happen you know the little things are big yeah just the other day we're like working on on some kind of accessories to our children's collection and just we're getting super excited about the way stuff was developing and you know being motivated by that yeah i love that with the the entrepreneur types it's like it seems like the most obscure things to some people where it'd be like oh a toothbrush what do you what (laughs) but but to you it's like oh my god like this the potential like what we can do with this and yeah it, it I've seen it in my my dad growing up, and he he basically created books to help teach reading to kids, and his passion in that, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just love I love the world of entrepreneurship, and I love like people like yourself that are just so happy and and you know encouraging about what they're doing, but then like geek out over the the funniest things. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess we'll, uh, transition over here and try playing a little bit of, uh, two truths and a lie. Yeah. Yeah. It's our favorite game on this (laughs) podcast. Um, uh, yeah. So I'll explain real quick. Basically we'll do three rounds. Um, 
each round there will be three facts, quote unquote, right? And and one of those facts is made up that you have to pick out. And um, so after one of us says it, just kind of walk us through your process or your, your thinking of why one might be a liar of the other and whatnot. And they're just kind of going to be uh, kind of mostly fun environmental facts or, or things based around usually based around your your background in some way a little oh, bit gosh. a little bit <laughs> i like this the pressure's on the pressure's I, on I'm, i can get down with this <laughs> all right sweet so i can start with round one all right so we need like music for one. this sorry <laughs> yeah we do need music yeah you're right con <laughs> a little cue in yeah yeah i yeah, can play my ukulele for you real quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be great so the first fact is the University of Illinois calculates that shutting off the tap instead of letting it run continuously while brushing will save your family up to 10 gallons of water daily. The second fact is the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency estimates that some faucet aerators can cut your water usage up to 60%. And for your third fact is for the average couple, a water heater tank is more efficient than a tankless water heater. Hmm. Okay, wait. What about a water heater? (laughs) Uh, A water heater tank (laughs) is more efficient than a tankless water heater. So, without the tank. I didn't even... I mean, maybe that's not the real thing, because I didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) Um, Okay, so now it's my job to, like... Figure out which one's not real. (laughs) All right, so the first one, yeah, um, well, I mean, how big is the family, you know? I would assume four people. It's an average okay. family, yeah. <laughs> 2.3 right. children. Right. So 4.3 <laughs> humans. Um, yeah, like how much water? Dude, would that be 10 gallons a day? Hmm, okay. And then the second question, or the second fact was about, the aerator. Yeah, aerators can cut water usage up to 60%. Okay, well, I don't, and I don't really know anything about, like, the water heater situation. Like, are there tankless things? Did you say that the difference is that the tank is more efficient than the tankless? Yeah, having a tank is more efficient than having no tank. Is it, is it like, okay, energy well, efficiency? Like in uh, heating? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if there is such a thing as a tankless, I would think that the tank is more efficient. So I'm going to, like, go there. I'm going to say that the aerator one is false. Like, why would an aerator save water? Oh, okay. Cool. Is that your final answer? Uh, yeah. Okay, sweet. The third one was actually the false one. That was like, <laughs> oh. the water tank thing. <laughs> is there such thing as a tankless? I, oh, yeah. I don't even know. I kind of just pulled it out of the air. Sweet. <laughs> tricky. To, like, defend my error, I was thinking, like, well, maybe the aerator... Oh, I guess that's putting air into the water to create it. I was just like... But is that really saving water? Like, if you're going to fill up a glass. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Those are... It. When we... Uh... Throw your toothbrush or whatever when you're brushing your teeth, maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. When, when we first uh, started Alda, like with the, the original idea of the subscription box, 
the whole goal was to try to help kind of people step by step make their lives more sustainable. So products and brands are all oriented towards like saving water, saving energy, something like that. And I, I actually didn't know about those aerators either before we started doing this research on things. And um, they have, of course, different sizes, but it's like the, usually just a little thing that screws onto, you know, the, the faucet. And yeah, it, it blew me away too, actually, how much, how much yeah. water those can save because it doesn't really seem like it's doing anything. You know, it's like a passive I mean, device. I knew there was some sort of device that yeah. that does it. I get. I just didn't like realize that it was the aerator. But now, like thinking about it, hey, hey, world, like I feel like a ding dong. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's go in the next round. All right, round two. I'll. I and I don't know. Avinash found these, so I don't know the facts. So I, oh, if yeah. I, if my face does anything, then like <laughs> uh, my face isn't giving away anything here. Um, All right. So fact number one. Plastic constitutes approximately 90% of all trash floating in the ocean's surface, uh, with 46,000 pieces of plastic per square mile. That's ridiculous. Um, fact number two, 50% of the plastic we use is single-use plastic. So we use it once and then throw away. And number three... Oh, God, am I going to pronounce it? Is it polypropylene? Is it pro or pro? Propylene, okay. Waste is only found near the surface of the ocean when polluting the ocean. So I guess if it's there, it's, yeah, on the surface of the water. It doesn't fall down deep. (laughs) These are really random fun facts, so... repeat any of them if you want as well what 90 percent of what of like i third one's not true but the third one wasn't true on the last one so i don't know that also <laughs> I, I was really bad at like standardized tests because i'm always like no there's been too many c's in a row <laughs> right <laughs> look at your answers like wait why are there four of these no way no way (laughs) yeah like this cannot this cannot be right um but um i don't know the the polypropylene floating thing sounds a little bit weird like to me like there could be like a really heavy polypropylene thing that would sink so i'm gonna say that one's not the true fact yeah, you got it right. Nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, yay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yay. Those other facts are horrifying. <laughs> right, and right. Doing what we can to change that. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to yeah. build a way. Uh-oh, there's a fly in the mic. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Um, yeah, we, we want to build awareness as much as we can. Although these, you know, we do this because it's, you know, little fun facts and stuff and it's silly, but the fact that 90% of all trash 
you know, is plastic in the ocean and then 46,000 pieces per square mile. That's, that's heartbreaking and a problem and yeah, really unfortunate. Yeah. It's like, you know, when we talk about bogo brush, you know, facts about toothbrushes, our statistics a lot revolve around just even like toothbrush trash from the United States and the numbers are a little bit all over the place, but anywhere yeah. from like 500 to 800 million toothbrushes, right? Well, end up in landfills or to me, like <laughs> landfills, okay, that is useless, but the, what's worse is when they end up in the natural habitats, right? Yeah. And they're polluting, polluting our planet and harming animals and, you know, anyway. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely one of the major issues of our of our time yeah yeah, yeah. That's sweet so we got one last round round three all okay. right so we're, we're one and one right now it's all tied up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the tiebreaker okay um so first fact is over the last 10 years we've produced more plastic than during the whole of the last century the second fact is plastic number four is categorized for pvc plastic and then the third fact is the average American throws away approximately 185 pounds of plastic per year. Um, I mean, I've heard a fact or I've heard something like the first one where like we've produced exponentially more plastic trash in like a recent period of time as over the, the whole century. I don't remember if it was exactly that. Like, remembering specific numbers isn't always like my mental like, like zone. Mm-hmm. Um, Logic but, of it makes sense so though. That, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that one's a truth. Um, the PVC. Oh man. I like definitely used to know all of those numbers because when we've chosen our plastics we had look and john would absolutely know so i don't want to fail on that but (laughs) number four that one could make sense to me pvc um because it's not actually i don't think it's actually very recyclable pvc right um and then the last one tell me what that one was again Oh, the last one is, sorry, uh, the average American throws away approximately 185 pounds of plastic per year. I mean, now I'm thinking about how much plastic does an average person throw away every day, and is it like half a pound or more? That's good I'm going to guess it's more than that. So I'm going to say again, number three is not the fact. All right. Uh, it was actually number two that was. <laughs> uh, number four plastic is LDPE, which is low density polyethylene plastic. Um, <laughs> I had no idea. I don't know my plastics oh. to that level. Man. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, John. I feel him like rolling his eyes. Gonna scream like, at you. How dare you? That's <laughs> no, all good. Me and Colin are terrible at the game too. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. When it's just us doing, and we we you know play with each other. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. I like that. 
I, you guys should do that on like story Instagram stories or something. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. I, I dig it. Any way we can get these out there, I uh, a lot of times, especially with sustainability stuff, it's uh, not a matter of not caring. It's a lot of times just a matter of like, oh, I hadn't heard that before. Oh, you know, yeah. I didn't know that. It's that simple. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for uh, playing two truths and a lie there. Always, always a good time. Hopefully, uh, learn some, some fun facts that you can tell John about or something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. That was fun. Thanks. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, so yeah, close it out here, Avinash. Yeah. So we normally, uh, close out with a few, you know, questions that we ask all our guests. Um, and the first question is, how would you explain sustainability to a toddler? Could be three, would... could be four what? or five, you know. Yeah, I know. When do they stop, like, waddling around and, like, walking like an adult? Right. Uh, three or four. At, like, 18, 19, I think. <laughs> I would say, you know, it's like, to that age group, sustainability is um, using things that the earth creates, um, not like not faster than the earth can create it. Nice. So, as fast as the earth makes stuff, that's as fast as we should use it. I like it. Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, we've been Sweet. getting really neat responses to that. Everything yeah. has been different. I've been surprised. Every take on it has been a little different. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the next question is, what are some ways you'd like to be more sustainable in your own life? Yeah. I... Right now, one of the things I'd like to be more sustainable with is uh, with food and particularly like purchasing food. So I divide my time between Detroit and Abu Dhabi. My husband oh. still works in Abu Dhabi. I lived in Abu Dhabi for three years. Um, That's cool. Bogo Rush got <laughs> funded. And so now I spend a lot of my time in Detroit. Like, ramping up this growth stage yeah. of the company. Well, like side note on that, but because of that, you know, both like my husband and I cook for ourselves a lot when we're not in the same space. And I find um, that to be more challenging than when we were in the same space in the sense of, I don't know, I'm, I don't take as much time to prep thinking about what food I'm going to buy. How can I buy more food in bulk how can i make sure i have like my own containers that i'm bringing to the bulk section of the grocery store like, things like that that i think um i would spend more time preparing so i guess that's a fairly um daily kind of a thing that i that i think about like creating less waste with my my food purchasing choices yeah yeah cool. I, I don't use produce bags i'd I'm kind of nasty and just put peppers right in the cart. I don't know. I don't know if other people find that weird, but (laughs) yeah. And you get to the checkout and I'm like, "Do you want a bag for that?" I'm like, "No, it's fine." I have like a pile of lemons. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I've been there. It's just some of those, like, I do pretty good with bringing, like, reusable bags and things or, like, the produce bags that are those, like, light mesh yeah, ones. Yeah, I got to get those still. Yeah. I have a pretty good stash of those, but, um, you know, it's stuff like pasta. If I buy right. pasta, instead of buying it in the plastic bag, buy it from bulk. And, I mean, I you know, I have that stuff available. Like, you don't always have bulk purchasing options. Right accessible but yeah that's kind of what i mean or if i buy milk i buy it in like one of those like smaller cartons well i can't recycle that because but i'm not i don't use enough milk to justify buying one. right and then you have waste if you go yeah 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 like i don't know anyhow it's a tough challenge detail about food (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um and the last question is what's one tip you'd give to someone trying to be more sustainable? Hmm. I mean, depends on like how sustainable someone is, right? It's like, is it to the point where it's just like giving someone the tip of like carrying a, like a jar in your bag so you don't have to use like paper cups or something when you, when you go places. I, that, yeah, that's, that's a perfect example. <laughs> yeah. Like that, or, you know, I used to, uh, keep like silverware and like, a napkin in my bag all the time mm. so that I would just always have my own. That's probably another thing I should do is like get back on that train. <laughs> oh yeah. Bam. Yeah. Um, we, we just got to go where, which does the bamboo utensils that have a little carabiner. So I, mm-hmm. I've been leaving those in my car basically. And, um, several yeah. times I've gone into like a, some sort of, you know, fast food or, you know, chain restaurant and then ran back to my car, remembering the utensils. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. That was a good habit. That's though. like definitely a, a thing. Cause it's like, how many times do we end up somewhere and like, you have to quickly like grab something to eat and it's just all the time when i was in college is every day <laughs> so yeah. terrible so unhealthy maybe, maybe those are like little like oh, i feel like those are not i don't want to call them surface level but like that but if someone's like super super already like into that i think it's this is a this is a very uh high big picture level kind of response but i think all of us right have that question in our heads are those things that we want to do a little bit more sustainably so it's like rather than thinking about oh my gosh there's 20 things that i want to do better at let's just choose the one that your mind thinks about the most and make even just a small change on that just a little bit of a step forward because then you have a little bit of a win you know and then count that as a success absolutely yeah that ties back perfect to starting a company too starting anything new right you just gotta start and yeah yeah commit yourself to it (laughs) fly man (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) awesome so, yeah, that kind of wraps up our podcast. Um, thank you so much for being on our podcast, by the Seriously, way. yeah. Really, yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This was fun. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, what is you guys' is, that's not the right way to say it, but <laughs> my southernisms come out sometimes. Uh, social just media just tags. Yeah, good. just own it. You're right, you're right. Um, but yeah, where can uh, people find Bogo Brush on the, the social medias? 
I caught the fly. Oh, the places, okay. the places that you go to find things are like our, you know, tag is always at Bogo Brush. Okay, so, perfect. Instagram and Twitter, um, we're more active on than others. We're we we're on Facebook because that's like a thing to do. Because yeah. <laughs> it's there, you know, it's there. People are there, so we're there. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. But yeah, at Bogo Brush. Awesome. Sweet. Well, I encourage everybody to go check out Bogo Brush and, uh, yeah, support Heather and her brother and their mission to bring good oral hygiene and less plastic to our world. So thank you guys for doing that, and thank you again for your time. Yeah, you too, guys. Keep it up. And protect your wild. Special thanks to my good friend Valleys for our incredible theme song. If you want to check them out, go to Spotify or SoundCloud and type in V-A-L-L-E-Y-Z. 